The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. I am Emily Swallow, also known as the Armorer on The Mandalorian. And I'm just giving a little shout out to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast because this is the way. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 87. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Also, of course, just a reminder that you can get your own official Secrets of Star Wars t-shirt uh, by going to sqpn.com merch. Um, it's available in various styles and sizes, and it encapsulates our philosophy of finding hope in a galaxy far, far away. So uh, definitely some cool T-shirts if you want to go check that out. Also, please uh, share the podcast on your favorite social media because we always want to find and um, encounter new listeners. And that is the easiest way for us to get out there and to get into the, the ears of those who would be interested in listening to us. So share the podcast and also leave us a review on your favorite podcast player because that also helps juice the algorithms so that we are seen by more people as well. So today we are going to be discussing the 14th episode of The Bad Batch, titled War Mantle, and joining me on the panel tonight is Angela Cialana. Howdy, howdy. Hello. It is just us two this evening, so we're going to talk about all things Gregor, apparently. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. Uh, but before we jump into that, uh, we do have kind of our new ham solo segment that I just wanted to to touch on again. This is um, inspired by Mike Creevy, who um, had a really fun story to tell us and uh, was unable to join us on the podcast. So stay tuned because he's got some cool memorabilia story to share that he'll share next episode. But right, uh, what a tease! <laughs> I know, right, right, and and he wouldn't even tell me what it was. I because I was asking him <laughs> asking him about it because. I wanted to know what uh, uh, what name he used for his deli order this week. And uh, <laughs> the name that he had for his deli order this week was Mace Windu. Nice. So, yeah, that's one we all we all know and love. <laughs> um, and I know this isn't at all deli related, but I figured this is the only place in the show that's sort of appropriate for this. It's it's not related at all to the topic at hand, but it's Star Wars related. Um I got, and I'm showing Angela on the uh, on on the video, but <laughs> a parishioner gave this to me after mass. So it is, uh, it it's a Star Wars VHS original notebook. So oh, it notebook. is it is it is like oh. a, a journal, but like cool. but it's got the look and feel yeah. of a of a VHS tape, and it's got the original. Uh, art for for Star Wars even before it was a New Hope on the front, and it's even got the uh, the scrawl the 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 
the text of the the uh, opening words of the the scrawl there on the back of it. And it was just funny because she gave it to me because she actually she knows that I'm going to to Galaxy's Edge in a couple weeks, and so she's nice. a big Disney Star Wars fan as well. And it really confused me because when I first saw it, it was like. <laughs> I don't have a VCR. I can't, I can't play this. And turns out it's a it's a fancy notebook. So, Very cool. Never so yeah. seen that before. I hadn't either. <laughs> They're really hitting on the the nostalgia, which oh, it is. Yeah. It is kind of funny. In, in my collection, I do have still my VHS tapes from the original trilogy, <laughs> even though I have no way of playing them at yeah. all. Um, They're still hanging out on my on my uh, in my bookshelf. So that being said, uh, listeners, of course, this segment is is meant to to uh, well, I guess showcase uh, uh, Mike's deli order, but also uh, <laughs> if you have any fun random stories of of Star Wars in your daily life, we would like to hear about it. Um, the the kind of the gist of this would be if you uh, have have a name of of a Star Wars character that you use when you order you know a coffee from Starbucks or something, and you have a fun story there, we would like to hear that, and we would like like to share that on the podcast so if you have that kind of a story uh you can tweet um using the hashtag ham solo so all one all one word ham solo not han solo but ham solo and we will pull those each week and share those on the podcast so star wars uh in daily life kind of a fun a fun little segment so that being said, we are going to now jump into uh, the Bad Batch. So, of course, we start with uh, Angela. What was your just first impressions of this episode? Oh, well, besides um, realizing at the end that my jaw was still <laughs> wide open. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, wow. We got so much. I mean, so many ties. Um between, you know, what we know and love with the Bad Batch and then with Camino and with um, Gregor, who mm-hmm. we met in Rebels, I believe, yep. or Clone Wars. Yep. Um, and uh, just, you know, the TKs, we got the TKs, Stormtroopers. Um, wow. I mean, just so many things. And then for me, it was like, you know, I think last time, last week we talked about Lord of the Rings tie-ins. There was yet more Lord of the Rings illusions, I, I feel, um, in this episode. Um, but we'll get to that. So uh, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, it was, uh, it was quite an arc when you think about everything that actually happened in this episode mm-hmm. and what we learned um, but I'm also wondering what's up with the last episode or so, you know, that we got um, and where, again, where does everything fit in, you know, with what we saw this week versus what we saw before? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a lot of questions. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Perfect. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a few of my own and we'll we'll touch on that at the end of our our discussion. Um, yeah, this, this episode I feel is like, (laughs) it's like that, that, uh, the, the incline on a roller coaster. Mm. So like we've got, we've still got two episodes left, but we haven't, we haven't hit the, the kind of the, the climax yet, but we're, we're ramping up to it. And uh, I should, I should expect these things. I, uh, I keep sort of looking at these episodes and the bad batch as sort of a, 
um, uh, sort of like self-contained stories in in an episode. So when they leave us with a cliffhanger like this, (laughs) it's really jarring for me. And and I mean that in a good way. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's got me very, very um, anxious uh, for what's (laughs) going to happen next. But it also was something that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I expected tech to pull off some, you know, piloting skills that, that, you know, just save right. the day and, right you know, so, so the fact that they lev- left us with this cliffhanger, um, is a good. I mean, that's cliffhanger for a while, <laughs> <laughs> uh, pun in pun intended there. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, this, this, this was a good one and, and I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm I'm anxious to to see where where this goes, and then to see yeah where where this all kind of comes back around um, in the next mm-hmm. two episodes. Um, so with that, we will then jump into the to the recap. Um, we start off with um, seeing this clone trooper being chased down by Imperials on the planet Daro, um, and he is eventually captured. And before he is captured, he does uh, plan to distress beacon beacon that is um, broadcasting. So at this point, did, who did you think it was or did you have any inkling of of who this might be? You know, I really didn't know. Um you know, I mean, there's so many clones out there that are kind of unaccounted for, right? I mean, so I figured it was just one of those guys. I had no thought in my mind personally mm-hmm. that that it was Gregor, um, but uh, I was definitely intrigued. Yeah, so I sort of wondered. Um, I, I don't know if Gregor popped in my head initially, but mm-hmm. as as we've been going through this this whole season. I've been wondering if Gregor and Wolf were going to show up mm-hmm. at some point because they showed up in Rebels and uh, there was a connection there. So I don't think I was able to call it that it was Gregor, but I was not surprised that it was Gregor, um, especially when Got he it. started kind of um, chuckling and laughing in his kind of demeanor. Oh, yeah. uh, so he gets captured and uh, Clone Force 99 is on a mission for Sid when they receive this transmission from Rex and... Rex uh, intercepted the the distress beacon and is asking uh, Hunter and the other uh, clones to go recover him. And uh, he calls he calls Gregor an old friend and Rex cannot go himself because he is currently busy. And so he wants Clone Force 99 to go instead. Um, I thought this was an interesting little point. Um, I'm wondering. So this is part of where I wonder where the next two episodes are going, because Rex was involved in something. That yes. we didn't see. Right. And I'm just, yeah, I'm he wondering like he if. he was in a lot of trouble. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and that's what I was, I was wondering if his mission sort of, I don't know, somehow plays a role in where, and where we go the next two episodes, because we sort of know he's basically kind of starting the rebellion more or less. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, I have no even inkling on what that might be, but. Um, the next little debate was was actually a really kind of fun one. So they they all debate on whether or not to go help this clone trooper, and Echo argues uh, basically being loyal to Rex um, that it must be a, that that it must be urgent. So he's arguing for going to retrieve this Reg clone trooper, <laughs> and Tech uh, reminds them all that they are currently on a job for Sid, and if they don't complete the job they won't get paid and basically they will not be able to eat so he is arguing from practicality 
Of course. Yep. Oh, it was so <laughs> definitely so in character. And then Omega, as we've kind of already uh, talked about on the show, she sort of is this conscience character. Mm-hmm. And she argues out of the, the merit of friendship that they should go and, and uh, retrieve this, this uh, clone trooper. And she even makes the point that's more important than getting paid. Yeah, and um, kind of alludes back to what she said previously about what a soldier really is, is is someone who comes to help somebody else when they're in trouble. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I found that connection as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and that even echoes back to to our discussions on just the Clone Force 99 trying to figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. And they're not just, they're not just, they're not soldiers. And I mean... They're they're mercenaries, sort of, but but Omega's kind of shifted that that perception that that being a soldier for them now is not just following the orders of the Republic, but it's going to help those in need as as they've been doing um, with with um, Hera and the Sindulas um, and some of the other the other missions. Right, she's kind of rooted them with uh, compassion. Mm-hmm. I think. They had a lot of they had a lot of heart in terms of passion, but I think the compassion is really um, what she's brought to their crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and yeah, she's <laughs> yeah she 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 gets to the heart of of what's most important. Um, and I and I I just I liked that she said that it was more important than getting paid because I mean they're mm-hmm. getting paid is is a good thing. I mean you know that we we need that, but but there are things in life that are worth more than just just the next paycheck and and she was really hitting on the thing the thing most important here is 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 the friendship the relationship and that's more important than than uh than getting paid Mm, yeah if you know i could just riff on that real quick um just this idea um something that came up for me in my life recently was this idea of having a mission like a personal mission, a family mission, like when you wake up in the morning, what is it that really guides your actions? Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, it, we have so many choices in our lives that, um, you know, we can, you know, like we see right here, they have so many choices before them and they're all like seemingly very important. So what is it that really is the crux Right. What is it? What is the thing that's going to be the decision maker? And when you have a mission, a personal mission, a team mission, a family mission that can help you to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. And I could I could totally jump off of that and almost share my <laughs> share my homily from from this morning. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, I'll, and I'll share just a little bit of uh, the, the, the homily uh, and the, the gospel uh, today on the, the 18th Sunday of Ordinary Time. Um, is Jesus referring to himself as the bread of life. And he says, you know, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to to eternal life. Mm -hmm. And I made the point in my homily that we often pursue good things in this world and they are good things. You know, uh, we pursue food, career, relationships, um, even even material things are not bad, but often we pursue them as the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And they ultimately fade away no matter what it is. And they leave us empty, desiring more. And that, of course, is something that only only God himself can can fill in our in our hearts. And that's what what Jesus was uh, referring to as himself as the bread of life and and drawing people to him and not just 
uh, trying to convince the crowd that that what they were really looking for was him and not just the next uh, loaf of bread that they would they would physically mm-hmm. eat. Um, wow! So, so this episode really ties into that. Like she's literally <laughs> yeah. saying, like we have to choose compassion. We have to choose love mm-hmm. for this person. Like a concern for this person over the yeah. material stuff. And what's what's interesting there is that they don't know the the rag at all. They don't. They've never yeah. met Gregor. And yeah, there, there's this this. Uh, um, I mean, yeah, Echo kind of Echo, I think, kind of makes the argument for loyalty to Rex and that he trusts mm-hmm. Rex and therefore they should they should do this tech. I mean, again, pursuing a good thing, getting paid, definitely a mm-hmm. good thing. And then, yeah, Omega, it's nah. There, there's there's something deeper here that that is is more important than even mm-hmm. um, Rex or getting paid. Um, and it's that it's that that well, she she mentions it as friendship but i would i would say it's it's you know the the relationship there is is way more important so cool um <laughs> way to go <laughs> omega <laughs> so um and hunter is uh reluctantly convinced uh to to follow in this plan and and so he um they they do head off to to darrow we also then get a, a side kind of bar on camino and so we're starting to kind of see what's what's happening there uh, Admiral Rampart, um, is nefarious as ever, and he's kind of overseeing the whole, um, Operation War Mantle. I was going to mention this, and I don't think I did yet, but, but War Mantle, um, we may have mentioned on the show before, but actually it originates, the name originates from Rogue One. Yeah. I think we talked about that last time. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so that, that's a, a, a fun, uh, tie into Rogue One. So, and of course, War Mantle finally, we know is, is the replacing of the clone troopers with recruits. So he's, um, overseeing that operation. And we have, uh, Nala Say and Lama Su, uh, talking and, um, uh, Lama, Lama Su informs, uh, <laughs> Nala Say that, uh, the empire has canceled all their contracts mm-hmm. and essentially he's, he's assuming that the empire is going to destroy them rather than let them at all work for anybody else and make any new clones. So he has Nala say, gather some people who are essential and prepare to depart Camino. Yeah. I really liked his quote. We have empowered them to our own detriment mm-hmm. and it was sad. It was sad to yeah. hear that because, um, yeah, I mean, it, that's that's what happened. And that's kind of what happens throughout Star Wars in many different ways um, that people end up getting tricked um, to to help or to empower someone who um, ends up hurting them. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I found that very um impactful i think between that and um even you know we talked about echo trusting rex um some other examples i'll bring up later but i really saw a theme of trust also in this episode um of who can you trust and kind of making that decision to trust someone and how that impacts you yeah well and and the kaminoans are it's it's an interesting sort of species and culture and i mean they're they're creating weapons essentially i mean and and then they're selling them the the clones who are who are soldiers uh you know and it sort of is if you just kind of look at the big picture it's sort of just inevitable that this would happen 
Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're if you're selling war machines, the only purpose of that is to increase you know war and and you know those who are those who buy from you are the ones then in power and and it's not the right kind of power. It's mm. the 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 well and and here it's it's the the empire. It's that dictatorial um, power. And yeah, that's that's interesting because you know they they made that decision. I assume. Um, to create the clones because they trusted that the Republic would be mm-hmm. um, would be led in a moral, you know, upstanding kind of way that democracy would prevail, yep. you know, and here we are. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's um, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. And initially they got into, as you say, you know, making weapons because they thought, Hey, these are going to be used in a moral upright way. But that's just, I mean, that's the risk of any of this. I mean, that, you know, if, if, if weapons get into the wrong hands, it's over, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the criminals aren't going to care. Um, Emperor Palpatine isn't going to care. It makes me wonder what, what their primary, um, goal in cloning was pre- Master Sifidifus, mm. uh, I'm butchered his name. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, when he, when he commissioned them to do the um, Django Fett clone for the Republic, I wonder what their clones were prior to then. Mm. Well, we saw that they were testing on their own kind before mm-hmm. um, on that abandoned kind of um, outpost. Mm-hmm. Um, so that yeah, that's maybe it was just more research than. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I I don't know. It's an interesting question. Um, either way, though, this this is sort of the beginning of the end of of Camino, and that becomes way more clear at the end of the episode. Sort of. Right. I think it's the end of Camino. It's not the end of the the whole genetic uh, scientist. Oh yeah. You know that that whole. Well, realm. we know that from the Mandalorian, right? Right. Yep. Yep, and actually, I think that's that's where Nala Se potentially is mm. a pre a prefiguring of what's happening mm-hmm. that we saw in the Mandalorian. Um, back on Daro, uh, Clone Force ninety nine lands. They find the distress beacon, and they determine that this reg that they're searching for has already been captured, and so they go off to investigate. And Wrecker and Omega are ordered to stay back at the ship and Hunter Tech and Echo infiltrate this mountain, which they come to find out is not just an ordinary mountain, but is actually an Imperial base. And this is totally where I saw the Lord of the Rings connections because because Hunter, you know, when he's looking at the ground and he's it's almost like the exact same motions that Aragorn does. Um, where he's trying to track the hobbits that were um, captured by the orcs. Mm, and yep. so he's like, mm, a hobbit lay here. He was dragged, <laughs> you know, and he was bound and he was dragged. And so Hunter almost does the same thing and does the same motion in the camera, almost does the same type of thing. Um, and then they come to a mountain mm-hmm. and they have to climb up it. And once they're there, they see the enemy's encampment, right? And then there's something that flies overhead and they have to duck. <laughs> so I found a lot of Lord of the Rings kind of 
um, connections there. Um, I don't know if that's just because I always have that in the back of my mind and living in a little room somewhere or because that was partially, you know, an influence. And it could likely have been an influence on them. Yeah. So, um, even, I mean, yeah, uh, that's, that is, that is a fun, a fun parallel. Uh, so they, they do climb the mountain and look down and see all the enemies and, uh, they, they see that they are upgraded in new armor, which was an interesting point. Uh, from what I was reading, this is, this is armor that's based on an early concept art by R- Ralph Macquarie. Mm. So that mm-hmm. was, that was kind of a fun way to bring in some of his concept art. Um, but they're, they're also, I, I mean, more or less, they're starting to shift towards stormtrooper armor as we know it from the original trilogy. Uh, Hunter doesn't really want to go, uh, down there because, uh, this is, this is changed from just a simple extraction to, um, he doesn't even quite know what kind of trouble they're going to get into. Uh, and this was a, another kind of moment of, of conscience here that echo is the one who argues that they still need to go extract him because that's exactly what they did for him on Mm -hmm. Skaggle minor. So that was, and that was. Clone Wars season seven, correct? That was because um, that was right at the was... end of the Bad Batch. The, the first like four episodes of season seven of the Clone Wars. Oh, that's right. When when the Bad Batch pull him out, yeah, um, and he kind of joins the Bad Batch. Go uh, go watch that if you want a uh, a refresher on that on that story arc. Um, so Hunter decides to to go ahead and do this. Uh, Wrecker and Omega will stay on the ship as backup, and the other three will infiltrate the base and. They are able to kind of hop on this lift and go down into the to the base, and they find this security console. And Echo is able to um, try to determine the the location of of Gregor. He also pulls a muster report, which lists fifty clone commandos and one thousand TK troopers. And this was a really cool moment. And I think Angela, you had something to share there, didn't you? Yeah, well, we got more of the traditional Star Wars soundscape, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Um, we got the classic stormtrooper yells kind of coming in <laughs> yep. as the guys are, you know, making their way through to Gregor. And then also, um, actually, when they are outside and they're noticing um, that the the armor has been updated, we start to hear yeah. this theme that John Williams used in early on uh, for the Empire in um, A New Hope. And that was before John Williams had actually written um, the Imperial March. Um, so he had this music that um, kind of was the theme for uh, the Empire. And it's very, you know, I've always thought of it as very similar to Tchaikovsky's um, little sort of um, motif that makes us feel anxious, like there's something uh, coming, that there's some kind of battle that's coming um, from the Nutcracker Suite when the um, it's right after the Christmas party. If you're familiar with the Nutcracker, um, right after the Christmas party and before everyone kind of wakes up, the so- the soldiers wake up, the Nutcracker wakes up. depending on 
what version you know the rats or the mice wake up and and have a battle so um that's uh, an early tchaikovsky theme and actually you know we don't really go into the music too much on this podcast but kind of like i guess since we're talking secrets of star wars like one of the behind the scenes things that happened when star wars was being created was that um john williams was given a whole bunch of really classic um motifs songs from classical music from orchestral um you know catalogs and these really famous composers and he would basically um the the George Lucas would cut the movie to these different songs. So it's called source music. And then from there, John Williams kind of gets the idea of what feel the scene should have, what George's vision was for how the audience should feel. And then John Williams would write something according to that. And so that's why, you know, I bring up Tchaikovsky and, and all that stuff. And it's just, it's interesting because I, I forget that even someone like John Williams would have pulled from someone else first. Oh, Cause yeah. I'm sort of used to everybody looking at John Williams as like mm-hmm. the master at this and then pulling from him. Uh, but this is, this is something of course that, yeah, he, he would have, he would have drawn from, from other sources and, and, and it does, I mean, the, the music, it carries with it such an emotional tie. Yeah. And, and when, when that particular motif came, came into the show, it was, it yeah, for me, it was clearly recognizable Imperial. Yes. Um, so it, yeah. And, and I like how you described it. There's, there's this like anxious sort of feel with it. It's, um, you're, you're meant to be kind of put, put, put off by it just a little bit because there's something nefarious there. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing about, um, the TK troopers, uh, just that uh, TK-421 is kind of the most famous stormtrooper from A New Hope. So this is this is the first time now, I guess, in, chronolo- in chronological Star Wars universe that the TKs have ever been implemented. And so the, the TK troopers are what we see in, in the original trilogy. And um, like I said, TK-421 is kind of the, <laughs> the famous one. So they are able to determine Gregor's uh, cell location and they arrive at his cell and successfully break him out. And he uh, turns out to be Gregor um, with his uh, goofy (laughs) sense of humor. (laughs) So and yeah, and he was in Clone Wars. I haven't seen the episode, but from what I from what I was just reading, he's in an episode where he was in a explosion and lost his memory and and mm-hmm. was just kind of working a i don't know some sort of a day job and didn't realize that there was all these other clones like him out there and so i i don't know the whole story but he showed up first in in the clone wars and then of course we saw him in a number of episodes in rebels where mm-hmm. rex gregor and wolf were out sea or desert uh <laughs> desert fishing desert on fishing the, <laughs> yeah so um, what were those things called jupas or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's like the, the the I don't know the the swordfish that or the whale or whatever they're they're hunting. Yeah. Oh yeah, because they use uh, they use Zeb as as bait. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so we they they rescue Gregor and and there are some some cool kind of interactions with with him that they're between him and hunters are kind of trying to f- to figure out who each other is. 
Um, there's a, a cool little line here. Uh, Hunter tells Gregor that they're the that they are the CT ninety nine clones, so they're the the defective clones. Mm-hmm. And Gregor chuckles and makes the comment that um, he says, "If you ask me, it's the ones who want to stay here that are really defective." <laughs> um, so I appreciated that because I, I defective clone is while it may be true on a kind of a biological or scientific kind of level, yeah. Often it, <laughs> they're not defective, you know, they're, they're, they're really, I mean, uh, strong and, and, and they're great, great, uh, persons and, um, they're, they're defective in the sense that they're not, they're not like the normal regular clones. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes we can use those words or even we use it towards ourselves. And this is, this is what mm-hmm. it kind of, where it, where, where it kind of drives me nuts is that sometimes we can say that interiorly about ourselves because we know our own inadequacies or, um, um, for example, when I was in high school and bullied, I just thought something was wrong with me. And so like those kind of words stay with the person. Mm-hmm. So I, so I understand where Hunter was coming from. I don't think he sees himself as defective, but I think it's just easier to, for him to talk to another clone and say, yeah, we're the defective ones, but it, That's he's not defective. Point. They're not defective. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> They're, they're different, but they're not defective. So, right. but, but I, I, all that to say is that's why I appreciated Gregor's comment that the defective mm. ones were the ones who wanted to stay. So the, <laughs> the, the really defective ones were the ones who were going to participate in the evil of the empire and didn't right. want to, to turn away from that. Yeah. And in that sense, that is, that is a very apt description of sin, a defective mm moral compass a defective conscience a defective you know whatever whatever you want to to, to describe it so mm-hmm. hunter you're not defective <laughs> so um so then they uh they do attempt to escape and um tech attempts to redirect the troopers so they can get out of their way but things don't quite go so well because he's using his clone uh codes but they're different than what the imp- the empire is using and so he triggers this security alert. And so they are attacked and um, they do manage to take the, the troopers down. And Hunter grabs one of the, the commandos key cards or the security access cards, which is um, important for just a little bit later. Um, and they're and, still stunning. They're still, yeah. They still got their blasters set yep. to stun. Yep. Yep. This whole time. I was that that was exactly in my notes at this point, because <laughs> they they clearly are using just normal blaster right. bolts. But then right. yeah, every every one from Clone Force 99 is a stun, a stun ray. Mm-hmm. So, again, their their moral compass is is aligned correctly. I mean, even though the 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 um, the troopers are the their enemy, they are not they are not trying to kill them. Right. And not only the the enemy, but they're trying to harm them. You know, mm-hmm. you, I mean, they're like you said, they're using their regular blaster belts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yep. that's very admirable. And then Gregor does at that point make the point that they, they notice that that the troopers are not clones, but that they are the recruits. And that's um, part of this whole Project War Mantle uh, replacements coming into play. So they uh, continue to fight their way. They do get onto a lift and they try to head to the top to escape. 
And that's where uh, Hunter is able to use that that authorization code that he stole. And Gregor does a little bit of explaining here about the replacements that are are willing recruits from across the galaxy instead of clones, and that the recruits are swearing loyalty to the Empire. Uh, I liked how he he points out that they are not as skilled as the clones. Mm-hmm. And that was very intentional. That line was very intentionally <laughs> written in by the writers. Yeah. So so I, I, I found that funny, of course, for one, because we're kind of on the clone side. And so, of course, we're going to think that the clones are are better skilled. But then also just the, the whole stormtroopers have terrible aim kind of uh, joke that plays over and over and over in all of Star Wars. So definitely a, <laughs> a jab there. <laughs> but what the empire does have even if they don't have the skill they do have numbers and so that does become a problem because hunter sort of scoffs at that and then when the when this lift opens they are overwhelmed by the numbers and have to have to retreat mm. so they they head back down to a lower level to to reevaluate uh their plan and then we get a break from the action and we go back to the to the havoc marauder and this was this is a fun scene between Omega and Wrecker. And um, so Wrecker is like feet on the console, like just kind of chilling and relaxing. And Omega is like pacing and anxious. And, you know, so she she is she's she asked Wrecker why he's so relaxed. Um, and I liked his comment. He's charging up before charging in. I totally love that comment because... As I've mentioned uh, previously on the show, I have an issue with anxiety. And so um, I am I'm very much like Omega where I'm just like, I've got to find something to do. I've got to busy myself, you know, and um, I I think I'm going to I like I, I intentionally wrote his line down like I'm going to put this in my mind next time. I know that I have to really like just rest before something, you know, important happens. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I thought the same thing. I I I relate to Omega in that situation. <laughs> I mean, even something like uh, the hour leading up to the podcast, like oh, my yeah. brain is working and, and like I can't I can't really sit still and like I can't. There's no way that I could be like Wrecker and just be like <laughs> <laughs> just chill, um, you know. So definitely before anything big, I am I am always I'm I I can't relax. <laughs> so I imagine some of our counterparts on the podcast might relate to Wrecker in that situation better than we can, but, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's all good. Uh, Clone Force 99 continues to, to fight their way through the base and they decide that their best option is to escape through the, the reactor conduits and the main reactors exhaust port. Um, the one downfall of that pun intended is that it um the exhaust port is halfway up the mountain so mm-hmm. they they need a plan to escape without falling off the mountain and but at that point they uh tech is is confident that they would be able to contact wrecker and omega for a pickup and they would be able to to be rescued from the side of the mountain so at that point that's exactly kind of what happens i assume uh, that Omega must have memorized all the ship's specifications <laughs> because she's finally flying the, the Havoc Marauder. Well, uh, Tech doesn't know that she's flying it, does he? <laughs> I mean, he's not on, on the ship until 
you know, once he gets on the ship, he's like, all right, that's sufficient. (laughs) My turn. Yeah. Well, she, she did, she did really well. I was, I was, I was impressed. Oh yeah. So, um, she, she definitely has been studying up and, uh, so they, they call, they call her and and Wrecker and, uh, they're able to, to kind of get close enough. And of course the, the Imperial troopers have discovered them in the, the exhaust port. So they're, they're confronting them. The empire has also sent out ships, which becomes very clearly an issue for them. And so they are trying to to rescue all of them from the side of the mountain. And yeah, Tech and, and Gregor are both able to jump on initially. And then Tech <laughs> immediately takes control of, of, of the Havoc Marauder. <laughs> and the, the, fight, the fight continues. And throughout that, uh, they're able to get back. And um, well, a number of things happen. One, it was there. There's a there's a cool moment where they're in the ship fighting and getting hit, and the Havoc Marauder is losing power, and Gonky finally has his <laughs> moment to shine. Yeah, it was just like this great moment where I was like, wait, what does the gonk droid do again? Oh, yeah, they're a power droid. Yeah. <laughs> and because I don't know if we've ever actually seen a gonk droid being used in Star Wars. I don't think so. The The only, the only <laughs> other thing that I can remember is Wrecker using gonky as a as a weight to, to lift. Right. But yeah. that is not his primary function. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, Gonky kind of saves the day, uh, gets the ship back in, back in operation and uh, tech is able to, to get the ship back to the mountain where Echo is finally able to get on board and Hunter attempts to jump on board and then is knocked away and, and he falls, but Hunter being Hunter, I mean, he's got reflexes and, and can, I mean, his, his ability to sense things. I mean, he, um, I mean, gets injured, obviously, but mm-hmm. is able to to kind of slow his descent enough that he's not he doesn't land and and die, but he he hits the ground and um and the marauder isn't able to to come back and land uh for to pick him up, and this was the <laughs> the hardest part of the whole episode to watch mm. was Hunter ordering Tech to to take the ship and leave. And knowing that knowing that he was going to get captured and then even I mean, Omega's distraught was was very um, powerful and it just I mean, it, it uh, pulled it pulled at my heartstrings and I. Uh, yeah, I, I, I did not expect them to go this direction. Um, and, yeah. and so it was <laughs> that was that That's was tough to watch. Great. Yeah. And, you know, I have to say, um. I think it was very intentional that tech was at the helm of the ship at this point in time, because he, I mean, I don't know if he even gave any hesitation. I didn't read it that way. When he went, he got the order and he put his hand on, you know, the, whatever the gear shift or whatever it is, you know, and, and, and he went for it, you know, he followed the order and we know that tech is not, really the emotional one of the of the bunch he doesn't really think that way that's just not the way his brain Mm -hmm. is wired and so um i think it was it was the best thing for all of them 
that he was able to just take that order immediately and go because they, if they had just, you know, been arguing about it and no, we've got to do this. And well, yeah, is, isn't there some other way that would have possibly cost them all their lives or at least the ship? Mm-hmm. So um, I thought that was, yeah, definitely intentional on the part of the writers. Yeah. And, and just back up just slightly. He does mm-hmm. initially resist the order because he he makes the point that the odds of Hunter surviving are incredibly low. Oh, that's true. But right. I think you're absolutely right that that after that comment, he he could see the practicality um, mm-hmm. of of what needed to be done. And then there's no hesitation in following Hunter's order where I think I think the others would have. I mean, Omega would have gotten captured too as she went back to to rescue him yeah i believe i believe the the reason that i wrote that down was that initially hunter um you know hunter says you need to get out of here mm-hmm. and it wasn't until he said that's an order uh, that okay that yep. tech actually went for it yeah so yeah yeah and i mean yeah for for him not being at least overtly emotional i mean this has to be tearing him up just as much as as the others Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was well done for for uh, the the story and the plot. But yes. gosh, this is this is um, <laughs> uh, uh, emotionally distraught for for all of us. And then we knew it was going to happen, right? Like we knew that Crosshair was yep. waiting to get his hands on Clone Force ninety nine. So well, yeah, and and that's just that's where they left us. I mean, yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm nervous um, because they could. Well, but okay, never mind. I was going to say they were going to do. They could do to Hunter what they did to Crosshair, but they already removed Hunter's um, inhib- inhibitor mm-hmm. chip, so they they can't do that. But still, there there's. Could they put it back? Could they put I a chip know. back inside of him? Theoretically, that would be horrific to watch. That would be a but... drastic <laughs> and intense and really tough next two episodes yeah i don't know if if the empire would actually go through with that like would rampart really want that to happen i don't think so i suspect he is more looking to eliminate clone force 99 rather than convert them i mean i even think crosshair is probably just a tool for him that Mm -hmm. you know will get discarded eventually because he Mm -hmm. he has made it clear he is not a fan of the clone troopers yeah so yeah, I think he tolerates Crosshair because of his abilities, but I think he would toss him at the first chance that he gets. Mm. Yeah, so you got to wonder, you know, what uh, I, 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 I couldn't help but think at the end of this episode, like, oh, Hunter, I mean, we we don't know. We have no evidence that Hunter and the other clone troopers, you know, that we know survive to the rebellion and Mm -hmm. into the original trilogy era we don't have any evidence of that so i had you know i had to uh i had to think to myself is this the end is this going to be the end for hunter what's great from a storytelling perspective is that that is a very valid question Mm-hmm. Um, because that raises the stakes and it's, we're going into the final two episodes and not knowing 
I mean, Gregor is maybe the only one that we know that's going to survive because we know he's in Rebels, but every other character is is up for grabs. And that adds an emotional weight to these to these episodes that should keep us at the edge of our seats. And I and I think from a storytelling perspective, that is fantastic. It's <laughs> it's hard to go through it when we got to kind of wait <laughs> and then uh, see what happens and then wait another week for, for the final episode. Um, but but it's 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 good storytelling. Um, I don't know. I <laughs> I. I hadn't even considered actually that, that they might not live. Um, another potential thought here. Um, there's, there's some online chatter, um, potentially of people expecting maybe that in these final two episodes. So if they're going to start to try to pull in some of the other, um, plot threads, um, at one point, even Thomas and I were, were wondering that maybe, um, uh, Eleni Sindula would have died in the episodes that we saw her in because she, mm-hmm. we know she doesn't survive all the way to rebels, but right. she didn't. So there, there is some online speculation that, that she potentially could be coming back in these episodes and meeting her demise. Um, hmm. <laughs> not exactly the, the, the most, uh, uplifting thing i want to consider but um <laughs> well uh, i mean is it gonna be a happy ending to this series i don't know i i don't have any reason to think that it will be a happy ending to be right? honest I, with you i mean it almost it it, it can't be in, in some sense because i mean this is this is the empire really getting its 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 grips into the galaxy and I, and, it, yeah. and it heads to a really dark time before the rebellion you know fully kind of uh, gets under it gets its own feed in in Star Wars Rebels. So I mean, we're we're in this period of um darkness in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the only like happy ending would be is like for them to survive and like go off into the unknown regions or something. But even that would be completely out of character. Yeah. So okay, I'm gonna make a prediction. I'm terrible at predictions, but <laughs> okay. I'm gonna make a prediction. Um. I think just based on the Star Wars stories that we have seen recently, I'm going to predict that Wrecker and Omega will survive. And, well, to to the very end, I'll say this. Wrecker and Omega will somehow be together and towards the end. And Wrecker may possibly sacrifice himself so that Omega can live and get away and be somewhere mm-hmm. safe. I think that's a very plausible thing that we might see because we have seen the relationship between those two in a particular way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't like uh, to talk about it, but right. Well, yeah. and, but I mean, there, there's and there's I don't I don't know there there's I'm wondering if there's if there's more story to tell than just what the next two episodes can do. I mean, especially with Omega. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, even oh, at yeah. least from a from the story perspective, there's so much potential there, and and we still don't really know. I mean, like mm-hmm. what she's all about, and she doesn't even know, right? So I mean, even if there is a a second season or more stories, I think they'll revolve around her more so than they would revolve around the bad yeah. batch. 
And interestingly, we find out that Nalase survives, mm-hmm. right? Nalase is, I guess, you know, harbored by the Empire or um, protected in some way. So maybe they connect somehow in in the distant future. Well, and we know that Nalase was trying to get Omega back. I mean, trying to protect her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder if if Nalase is the only Kaminoan to survive, or if there's like a group of mm. kind of scientist uh, Kaminoans right. that that he pulled. Because yeah, uh, Nalase is is it's implied that he was was killed. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah, he wasn't the scientist. Um, yeah, yeah. I I I, th- I don't know. I don't know. I I I guess I hope for more stories. Um, and yeah, I <laughs> I want more of I want more of the Bad Batch. I want Bad Batch season two with with the whole crew. But but then the other the other big question too is what's going to happen with Crosshair? Right. Is he going to be redeemed somehow? Is he going to? I mean, or maybe is he even going to have the inner strength to overcome the inhibitor mm-hmm. chip himself or, you know, what's what's going to happen there? Right. I mean, um, have we seen have we actually seen Crosshair execute a fellow clone mm. on screen or has it been implied ever? I know. Hmm. Because I know we've seen how yes. good he is. What wasn't wasn't no well, but I don't know. I don't know if a fellow clone. I know he's definitely. Um, I'm remembering the the episode where they the, uh, Crosshair was sent off to um, dispatch the rest of Sagarera's team, mm-hmm. and one of his fellow recruits wasn't comfortable right. with killing Crosshair. Mm-hmm. Crosshair kills him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've seen him kill another clone. But I, I, I think he would because that's I mean, he's he's looking, mm-hmm. especially if the clone in question is considered a traitor in his mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know he was definitely there. There's been some close calls, mm-hmm. um, but I guess they kind of like at the end of this episode that we just watched, they kind of imply that, OK, it's just Hunter and Crosshair in a room. And what's going to happen is Hunter going to survive? Is he going to escape? Is Hunter going to somehow get to Crosshair, whether that's talking or whether Mm -hmm. that's some other means so that Crosshair lets him go at least or has some kind of crazy change of heart and mind? I don't know how that would happen, but um, so those are all, I guess, the possibilities and, and we're kind of left to wonder how that would actually occur. To me, the most likely outcome is that Hunter doesn't make it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't want, I don't want to agree with you. <laughs> um, I'm being realistic here. <laughs> right. I think, I, I think I would say that I would agree with you, but I think he at least gets through the next episode. Okay. What would be cool is if Tech somehow had created some device to like quickly, I don't know, like 
disable the chip in crosshair just in case they ever got into like rain like a certain range like close enough to him to like actually turn it off or something that would be neat yeah i just don't want to consider hunter dead like that is that is a likely possibility i don't i don't know i i I don't know if they would go there with with this with this story but Mm -hmm. um but at the end of the day i uh I always have to kind of check myself and that, I mean, a character shouldn't survive just because me as a fan want them to like, right. it needs to be what's what the story needs, mm-hmm. not what, not what I need. Um, yeah. So now that you say that, I mean, I think about like Keenan Jarrus, for example, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, sorry, yep. Yep. but, <laughs> but you know, he was given a worthy death Yep. and I think, you know, if Hunter's going to go out, he's not just going to be like, you know, executed on a table or something. Right. I think he's going to go out fighting, whether that's, you know, trying to convince Crosshair mm-hmm. to, you know, change his ways or, um, you know, whatever it is. Um, he, he's going to go out in a way that will make us all proud mm-hmm. if if he does, yeah. you know, leave us. <laughs> so. Well, and he's already shown that because even by by ordering tech to leave. I mean, he was, he was sacrificing himself to protect Mm -hmm. his, his family. Um, exactly. So, so yeah, he's, I mean, that's, that is Hunter through and through the, the leader and he's going to, he's going to be the one to jump on the grenade for his, for his squad. Mm -hmm. So I guess to me, that kind of brings it back to the theme of trust, maybe to like, um, leave this conversation on like a happier note, I guess. <laughs> um, and to think about, um, you know, how Echo said, I trust Rex and, um, and Gregor made the decision like, okay, like you guys know Rex, I will trust you. And, mm-hmm. um, and just the whole, the Clone Force 99 trusting each other to be able to accomplish this mission that, you know, they, they all gave their reasons, you know, Echo gave his reasons, Omega gave her reasons, like we need to do this. Um, and we saw that trust finally, you know, with, um, with tech following that order. Right. And so to go back to like, kind of how I tied it into like daily life is, you know, back to the mission idea, you know, you've got your mission, but then you also have to trust the people that you're you're working with and especially in those moments where it's scary where it's a new situation where it's really like frightening emotional you know whatever it is that um it's so important to know who you can trust and to have those people that you can go to to really say you know I trust this person I don't know what to think or what to do right now but you know I will listen to what your advice is for me And, um, you know, for me, that is, you know, that my spouse, you know, that's, um, family members, that's my spiritual director, my pastor, Mm -hmm. you know, those people, those good friends that you have that, um, that are, you know, morally, you you can rely on them. Um, so, but I think that's, um, I think a positive, you know, takeaway that we can take into our lives um, from this episode is like they, these, all these people that we saw in this episode were in this really like stressful, difficult situation, all these different choices they had to make. And, you know, especially at the end with Omega just being really distraught, but she had to 
ultimately, I think she's going to have to come to the conclusion, like, I have to trust Hunter. Mm-hmm. And even though this was really a tough decision, he made the right decision for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can do the same thing. We have to identify those people in our lives um, and be able to say, you know what, if I get into a scary situation, a stressful situation, a confusing situation, I can go to these people and I can trust them. Well said. And that is definitely a, a good a good note to end on. Good good advice for, for us all. With that, I think, um, did you have any other final uh, comments? Um, just one little cute thing that we didn't really um, mention at the very, very beginning where Hunter is kind of playing with his knife and then Omega has that little tool where she is, (laughs) she's working on the ship and then she sees what he's doing and she kind of takes, it's like a scalpel or something and she takes it and she kind of plays with it the same way. It's just very an endearing kind of, um, I don't know, now that I look back on it, it tugs at my heartstrings, but Mm -hmm. yeah, just how she looks up to him as a big brother. Yeah. Well, Hopefully we see them reunited in some way, in a, in a positive way in the next two episodes. So, well, we'll see. Stay tuned. We'll see. So that is it from us listeners. Uh, what did you think of this episode of The Bad Batch? We definitely would love to hear your thoughts. And so you can email us any feedback at starwars at sqpn.com, or you can comment on our Facebook page um, at facebook.com slash starquest media, or you can tweet at us and we're on Twitter at sqpn. And now we'd like to, to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including David H., Jordan B., Eddie S., Robert R., and Pamela G., Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Wars and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by going to sqpn.com slash give. Also, of course, please make sure that you are subscribed to the show so you don't miss a single episode. You can find us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast players. You can also find us on YouTube. Just search for the SQPN YouTube channel and be sure to hit that bell to get notifications of new episodes. And finally, you can find all of our previous episodes by going to sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And we will be back next week as we will take a deeper look into episode 15 of The Bad Batch. So until then, Angela Cialana, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. Thank you. It's been fun. It has. Once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>